Hello everyone, welcome back. Today in Venture Poland podcast, finally we have a startup. It's actually quite difficult to hand down the CEOs and directors as everyone is busy building their businesses and uh, solutions, obviously. Mateusz Jaros is the founder of Expansio, Polish software house, a very small company, but they are a bit special actually. And I really appreciate the fact that we managed to record this episode together because we've touched on a lot of different topics that are going to be valuable for you guys. You can have a look at the list on the blog post. It's going to tell you a bit more about the content of this episode. I'll just list a few themes here. So we spoke about the responsibility and accountability between people in the company. Uh, We spoke about a research that's been done by the Gallup Institute on the happiness of people working in the organizations. And as well, we spoke about why they rejected the 1 million investment from a private investor. And most importantly, we spoke about the turquoise organization uh, idea and how they implement it. So I really think it's going to be a very interesting episode for you today. Enjoy. Welcome to Venture Poland podcast. My name is Daniel Czachorowski and my goal is to promote Poland as a great partner for business, especially when it comes to technology. In my podcast, I interview Polish entrepreneurs, startup founders, managers and engineers so we can all learn from them. Enjoy this episode. Uh, Mateusz, how are things? Very good, thank you. Uh, you just said that it's difficult to find a startup. Uh, it turned out that we met just last week, right? Yes, yes. So thank you very much for the invitation. It's not a long time between the meeting and uh, the recording. Yeah, that's true. We we met last week and um, I just thought that because we had this immediate connection, I would say, and we started discussing a topic which is, in my opinion, very important and we will touch on it uh, later on in the episode. I thought that it's going to be great to have you here and I'm very glad that we've managed to record this that soon. So we can share obviously some, some of your insights here in the uh, in the podcast and share your uh, knowledge and what you've achieved so far together with your team. So we've met at the conference and you were promoting there a product which is called Code All, a chatbot that teaches the younger audience how to code. And I would like you to tell us a bit more about this idea. So first of all, I would get back to what you said about Expansio. We are a software house. Uh, So that's how we started uh, our business. Uh, But uh, eventually we tried to find a product, uh, our own product, our own startup that we could develop. Sure. And uh, it turned out that we, we had some good ideas. Uh, We tried a few of them and, and in the end, we, we decided to focus on Codal. Uh, so today we try to split our work uh, between software services and uh, developing the startup. Uh, so we've got two brands. The team is growing. Some of the people are focusing on software services. Uh, some of the team, part of the team is uh, developing Codal, uh, but uh, both of them are important for us. Uh, and, and yes, you are right. Uh, Codal is a chatbot that teaches coding. It also allows you to go beyond the computer. So what it means is that you can code intelligent environment. Maybe I will give you an example. So uh, you start talking to a chatbot and he gives you examples of what can you do. For example, you can turn on your light after clapping. You can create a home alarm 
uh, you can create a car parking sensor, etc. Uh, so it gives you examples from real life. Why such an idea? Well, we wanted to make coding attractive. We wanted to make coding practical. I think it is especially important for younger people. Sure. So that's why that's why we decided to to do that. Okay. So we spoke about this earlier, and uh, I would like you to tell us a bit more about the part, uh, which is the physical part. So you said you have mm -hmm. some uh, existing hardware that basically integrates with your software, with that chatbot, and then uh, children, they can actually use that physical thing to do uh, certain uh, actions. So if you want to code an environment around you, you need some physical devices to do that. So today you will find on the market some, some I, I don't know, Arduino boards or Raspberry Pi that uh, you can use to, to connect some sensors and encode them as well. But uh, in our case, we developed our own wireless sensors, uh, such as distance sensor, smart socket, uh, microphone, light intensity sensor, etc. They are connected wirelessly, and your task is to code the central unit that sends signals to them. What it means is that you connect the central unit to your computer, you start coding, and you see the results around you. For example, when you clap your hands, sure. the light turns on. So at what stage you're at with this idea? Do you have a final product yet? No, no, we are in the middle of development. Uh, so our road was quite long, uh, starting with the idea and then trying to find some money, some seed money and then convincing people to give us some more money <laughs> and also investing our own private money from the software services. Uh, so I would say that we are in the middle. The chatbot is almost finished. What we are doing right now is trying to get to schools and invite children to uh, start talking to the chatbot uh, because the algorithm is not uh, everything. You also need to create uh, the training set. I mean, the words that the chatbot will be using uh, when, when teaching coding. And at the same time, we are also finishing our sensors. Today, we want to create 14 of them. We also want to make them nice looking. So we've got a graphic designer that uh, focuses on, on the design of the sensors. Sure. Uh, I would say it is a complex product, right? Because there is the hardware and there is the software and you need to connect both of them. Uh, so it is quite complex, but we believe that in about one year we should have uh, a fully functional prototype. Brilliant. Uh, good luck with your uh, developments, obviously. That's, that's great to hear that uh, you're moving forwards. Congratulations on the achievements so far. When I was uh, trying to prepare for that podcast, I uh, reviewed your website, reviewed your a profile and information about the company online. Your team is doing a great job collecting awards and participating in some uh, acceleration programs. <laughs> Tell us a bit more about the company and the vision. So, um, okay, you said already about software services. Maybe you can share some examples here with us. Mm -hmm. So we are cooperating with Volkswagen right now. We are developing a mobile app for the employees of the company. It is our second product for this company. Previously, we also created something very unusual. Brilliant. It was um, a game for the employees, a mobile game. And we engaged over a thousand people to play at the same time for five weeks. 
uh, it was a game in which the, the employees of the company uh, became CEOs of the future car factories. And we moved the factory uh, to Mars to the year 2040. Uh, and, and their job was to okay. create um, uh, the factory, build, build the, the, the production line, okay. employ the people, buy new machines. Uh, but what was the aim? Of course, it was not just fun. They wanted to educate the people because uh, Volkswagen heavily invests in factory for zero innovations. And they wanted the employees to know what is happening inside the factory and what is the direction of development of the whole group. Why do they invest in electric cars, mm -hmm. right? What kind of new machines are going to be implemented in the company? Uh, what kind of new processes are going to be introduced and so on. So every day they had some tasks in, in the game and every day we also verified the knowledge that they gained previously. So there were some quizzes and they collected the points. And in the end, we selected the winners and we gave away the awards. So it was, sure. it was a brilliant project. Very, very interesting. Okay, very interesting. So uh, who came up with this idea? Was it Volkswagen who came to you or uh, was it some kind of, uh, as I said before, acceleration program that was uh, open for such innovation? No, no, no. In this case, it, there was no public money involved and it was a fully commercial project. It was the idea of Volkswagen. Uh, so they wanted to use gamification, but they didn't have any, any concept how to do that. Okay. So they just came to us and they asked, hey, do you have any ideas? <laughs> so we've got the goal to educate the people. What do you recommend? And we sat down with the team and, and we said, we think it's quite uh, crazy, but maybe we'll uh, try to propose a game, a mobile game. And that's how it started. Brilliant. It's, Brilliant. it's really unusual, but yes, it was the idea of Volkswagen and they asked us. Okay. Brilliant. Uh, you've mentioned one thing which is interesting for me as I go to conferences and uh, meet people. There is this topic of Industry 4.0 and I can almost immediately try to connect a couple of dots here and uh, figure out on my own uh, what that is. Can you tell me a bit more? Yes, so it is the fourth uh, industrial revolution as they call it and it is a combination of different processes and technologies. So it is a general term uh, used to describe uh, new innovations introduced to the companies today. From the broader perspective, you may say that uh, you've got intelligent companies, intelligent uh, factories uh, with uh, cyber physical systems uh, used uh, during the production uh, process. So you connect machines together, like they can exchange information uh, you've got some machine learning algorithms that try to predict what is going to happen. Like, for example, try to predict what is the risk of some failure, failures. Uh, I, I once took part in a project. It was a startup project that tried to predict when the machine is going to break down. Right. And when, when you know, based on some information, you can connect a, a sensor to a machine and uh, hear the vibrations, for example, of the machine. And you can predict that something is going to break down in the future. So when you've got that information, you may take action before that happens. So in such case, you, you save money. 
Sure. So factory 4.0 is a general term that describes uh, a lot of things inside the factories happening today. Okay, interesting. I may need to find a guest who who is heavily involved in yes. Industry 4.0 to talk uh, to him about this uh, more in my podcast. I don't know. Yes. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, another one. You've mentioned Volkswagen. Uh, any other companies? Who else did you work with? So today we focus on startups. <laughs> so it's a completely different profile. Okay. But why do we do that? Well, first of all, because we've got experience in developing a startup, right? We, we've got our own product. We failed with uh, our previous ideas. We've got some successes as well with the current product. Mm, we know how to find the money. We know how to talk to investors. We know how to validate the idea. Uh, we know how to develop the software for a startup and also hardware. So uh, right now we want to achieve success with Codal and uh, then help other startups on their road. Uh, so uh, we decided to focus on startups today. W right now, we are in the middle of the development of, our, of a startup guide. Okay. What we want to do is collect our experience and just describe step by step what we did to come to this point where we are today and just share this knowledge. Sure. We know how difficult it is to, to develop a startup. We know how uh, difficult it is to also create a product, uh, especially the software, when you have so many factors that change every day. And uh, when you are at the beginning of the startup, you do not know where you will finish. Okay, You will change your idea even every week sometimes. Uh, and sometimes finding a partner that will... Uh, help you develop the software is difficult because normal software houses expect that you will present uh, the, the fully functional project and that will not change too much and they, they of course can develop it for you but uh, it is it is a fixed idea sure uh, not very not very elastic okay so in that case you're saying that you're focusing on startups so basically you are uh, developing software for startups is is this what you're saying yes okay i see and this comes down to the company strategy you basically do it i don't know in more agile way it is a bit less expensive etc is is this is yes. this what i'm yes okay yes. brilliant okay interesting very interesting uh, so is it only for polish startups or do you have some international work as well no we've got international work so we've been developing with companies uh, from uh, great britain Next week, I'm going to London again to meet a new, new startup. Uh, so we are trying to open to, to, to startups from abroad. Uh, uh, last week, we were in Madrid. We took part in a, in a conference and we, we also collected some, some new, uh, new contacts. Okay. From Spain. Okay, brilliant. So attending conferences, is this how you get to startups? Uh, so we attend conferences. Uh, we also take part in fairs. Uh, we are also uh, visible online and in, mm, well, we are based, we are located in Poznań Science and Technology Park. I do recommend this place for any startup in Poland, in Poznań, if they are looking for an office, uh, because uh, PPNT, as I call it, that's the abbreviation, PPNT helps us in uh, getting in touch with other startups. PPNT is a, is a place that connects 
startups. Sure. It connects uh, also companies that have some innovations or want to introduce innovative ideas. So uh, they, they do part of the work to, to connect us with other companies. Okay, brilliant. So they act as a, let's say, business development body for you guys as yes, well, exactly. in some sense. Okay, Yes. interesting. Yes. So um, what's your end goal, uh, Mateusz? What's the end goal of uh, Expansio? Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, we want to finish Code All. Uh, as I told you, we've got the money right now and we are in the middle of intense development. Uh, but in terms of Expansio, we've got lots, lots of ideas for the future. Uh, we've got some ongoing projects right now. Um, and uh, our vision is to, to create new innovative ideas, new innovative products that will help companies and people. That's the general idea that we have. But we want to achieve that in, in a quite specific way. And it's connected to the way that we work. I don't know if I should move on. I know that you are sure. going to ask this question. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> you, you, know, you know what? Uh, yeah, let's just move on. I, I had this question in mind. And uh, just because we spoke about this uh, at the conference and uh, because I do believe that certain things when it comes to, let's say, organization management, they work relatively better than uh, others. And the question is, what's your favorite color? And now, now we can move on. Now we can move on. I knew this question. <laughs> so my favorite color is turquoise. Uh, why? Why turquoise? Well, uh, when I started my company, I knew it was going to be a bit different. Uh, so it started with a book uh, written by Frederic, Frederic Lalou. Uh, it is a French guy. I don't know what is the English translation, and it is uh, something like to work differently. In Polish, the title is Pracować Inaczej. Uh, but when I read this book, I knew it was something that I would like to see in my company. And it's really connected with the vision and what we are going to achieve. That's why I connected <laughs> your, your previous question with this one. What does it mean, turquoise? Sorry to interrupt. In the concept of turquoise startup, because this is what we're talking about, turquoise organization, turquoise startup, that's the term. Yes. So, so the listeners yes. can understand what we're talking about. Well, here. it means many things. Uh, first of all, it means that I am the same person in my private and professional life. I follow the same values. No matter if I'm spending time with my wife at home or with my colleagues at work. One psychologist once told me, uh, a sentence that made a grand, great impression on me. He told me that uh, you should not expect to get anything from life just because you think you deserve it. And everything in life is a gift. This sentence was the base for my work, for my professional and my private work. And I wanted to, to create a culture of my work based on this. So in every company, there is some kind of culture right no no matter if it is created deliberately or not and uh, and this culture is um, it is a derivative of the character of all of the people in the organization of the ceo all of the employees and uh, what i read in this book and later also found uh, in, in other sources uh, what i read is that the most important factor for people when they choose who to work for 
is the culture of the organization. I, I was a bit shocked that people do not choose, well, companies, brands, they choose the culture of work. Uh, so I decided to create our culture deliberately, right, and, and consciously. So it goes even further. Every information in our company is uh, public, I would say. So we share information about our earnings. We know how every person in the company, how much every person in the company earns. What is the salary? There is a lot of decisiveness. Uh, I mean, every person in the company has uh, a lot of power to introduce new concepts in the company. Uh, we believe that uh, the, the values are more important for us than the hard knowledge. Okay, so when I try to hire a new employee, uh, what I'm looking at in the first place is communication skills and his values. And just on, on after them, on the third place, I uh, take a look at uh, the, the knowledge that he has. Uh, why? Because I believe that when you have some abilities or skills, uh, you can learn everything, okay? If, if I'm going to hire a software developer, I'm not so interested in his education, for example. Yesterday, I was talking to a lawyer who decided to become software developer, and it turned out that he's really good at it. But what, what is more important to me is what are the values that are important for him in life? Uh, because when there is a problem at the level of values between us that we don't share the same values, uh, it might be a problem to change that. And when you, when you have no knowledge in a specific area, uh, you may take workshops or just sure. read some books or videos or, you know, any other means that you can use just to learn it. It's, it's pretty easy today to, to, to even change okay. your profession. So probably the first thing that uh, people will ask is uh, what are the threats and risks? And uh, some of them are quite obvious, I think. I mean, people are sometimes not genuine. Uh, I'm trying to understand whether this brings more value, this idea, this concept of turquoise organization, if it brings more yes. value than risks. So uh, I would like to ask you about some mm -hmm. examples from your experience. Did you experience any problems yes. implementing that uh, method? A lot. So I believe it is very, I, I don't believe, I know it is very risky to introduce turquoise uh, organization. Maybe because of that, there are not so many companies that work uh, in this fashion. So one of the basic assumptions that I, I have is that every person is good from its nature. Okay, I may, uh, it may sound philosophical, but that's the okay. thing that lies at the bottom, at the fundamentals of our work. So when somebody behaves wrongly, when somebody tries to steal something from your company, when somebody lies, when somebody tries to cheat on you, then I believe it's because he's got some previous experiences that that hurt him. I believe that people hurt others because they were hurt in the past as well. Mm -hmm. And in our company, we did have some problems. Just because uh, every person is good from his nature doesn't mean that he will not do bad things. I also do bad things because of my experience uh, in life. But we don't try to hide it and we don't try to draw wrong conclusions. Sure. We try to talk to that person 
and try to figure out why did he do that, okay? It takes a lot of time and sometimes it uh, may not bring uh, the results that you expect, but when you want to scale your company and uh, from one, two or three founders in a startup, you want to move on to 10, 20 or 50 people, in the end, I think it brings more value than trying to employ people based on just on their knowledge and not by sharing their values. So I, I will give you an example. So when we started, uh, I used to run this company just with my wife. There were two of us. We are completely different. Uh, we've got different personalities, uh, different experience. My wife is a lawyer. Uh, I'm a computer scientist, uh, but uh, there was something that uh, really connected us. I mean, despite that we are married, we also knew how to communicate to each other and sure. we also shared the same, the same values. And it worked really well in, in the company. Of course, we had a lot of quarrels. My wife is a person that likes to uh, meet new people. She likes to, uh, I don't know, give presentations or uh, talk about ideas uh, from, from a broader perspective. She is a visionary. Uh, I'm rather a person that tries to focus on the details. I'm really concerned about the results of my work. Uh, so at the end of the day, I'm looking what I did and uh, how much I achieved. But just because we had different styles of work, it complemented us, I would say, okay? And uh, it was very good when you have a, a startup and, and you try to create a team. Uh, I believe it is important to have people from with different backgrounds and uh, different, different perspectives. But then we decided sure. to hire new people. It was uh, the time that we knew that uh, we would not be able to do it on our own. So we hired software developers. Our team grew up to five or six people in the beginning. And uh, I told them, this is going to be a turquoise organization. So we are going to share with you our values, okay? Our values are the following. So we are going to trust you in the beginning. I don't know what you are going to do with that, but we trust you. Uh, what we expect is that you will take uh, uh, responsibility for your work. So we don't want to delegate just tasks. We want to also delegate uh, the, the, the responsibility. Uh, we want to openly talk about our problems. When there is a quarrel between us, we want to talk openly, but also with respect. And these are sentences that somebody, you know, uh, okay, he hears that, but after a day or two days, he may forget about them because it doesn't say exactly how you are going to be behave and how, what you are going to do, right? So uh, a turquoise organization is, is a living organism in which every day you check whether you are consistent with your values, okay? So uh, when you start talking to somebody, we think, am I, am I uh, respecting the person I am talking to? When you are uh, taking a decision, uh, for example, should I take this task or this task, I'm thinking, is this in the area of my responsibility? Is this something that I should do or maybe I should not do? I read uh, a very interesting report. It was from the Gallup Institute. 
that uh, tells you whether a person is happy at work and uh, he likes what he's doing at work or not. Mm -hmm. And in the end, if the company is going to achieve success or not. And they developed 12 questions that uh, when, when you say yes to each of them, then it means that your company, maybe even not probably, but will achieve success. And each of these 12 questions has nothing to do with the technology in the company. It has nothing to do with the idea okay, of the startup. That was very surprising to me, but they uh, evaluated. Sorry, I don't remember the, the exact numbers. If these were thousands of people or even tens of thousands of people. And uh, it was real research. So uh, not something that somebody... Uh, you know, wrote in his office, in the laboratory. Yeah. It was based on real research with uh, real companies. Uh, so what are these 12 questions? Well, the first one is, do I know what they expect from me at work? Very simple, right? The second question, do I have the tools that I need to, to do my work uh, efficiently? Like a computer, like, like a car, like a mobile phone. Very simple. The third question, do I do every day what I like the most, what I can do, what I'm good at? I, I'm not going to go through all of them, but uh, some of them are, okay. uh, did somebody appreciate my, my work in the last seven days? Does somebody care about my work? Did I find a friend at work? Okay. And it has nothing to do with the technology. Okay, it may be a technology startup, it may, it may be some services, but when you answer yes to all of these questions, you will achieve success. That's what they say. Okay, interesting. Very interesting. I know Gallup uh, Institute for uh, their Strengths Finder test, because it's a very interesting personality test, but I didn't know about this specific report. I may need to ask you to uh, share this report with me so I can share it with um, people. I don't know if it's a public thing or if it's a paid version of something. No, no, it is public. Okay, I see. Brilliant. Okay, interesting. Very, very interesting. So in principle, you're saying that the values of the organization, which are, let's say, um, shared from the owners, from the startup founders, let's say, and if they are presented in certain fashion, in certain way to people, and if they appreciate uh, the values as well, then there is a study that says that uh, there is a high likelihood of success for that specific uh, organization, regardless of what's the industry they're in. Yes, that's what they say, and that's what we try to verify in our startup. So our conclusions are the following. Mm. What I think is the most important in our startup is the, the emotional engagement of the people that work in our startup. It's not just, you know, going to work and uh, working for eight hours and getting back to home. When you have a startup, it's really difficult to achieve success, right? I, I don't know what are the exact numbers, but some people say that 90% of them fail. And I was asking myself, why? Why does it happen? And I came to, to the question, why should people work for me, okay? Why, why should they come to my office and, uh, and do the job that I give them? Of course, because of the money. Of course, they want to earn money, but that's just part of the story. 
this is not very this is not so important there are much more important things that, that are important for the people to to come to the specific job and uh, and perform the work one of them is appreciation okay they want to to know that what they do is important for you for the boss or for somebody else and they are appreciated so what we do what i try to do is to appreciate the work of every person of course uh, only when when the job is done uh, in a good way when somebody makes some mistakes and then of course i openly talk that i don't like it that we should change something but it works also in the other way uh, just three days ago my employee uh, just told me that i made a mistake and i shouldn't do it again uh, i mixed the folders on ftp servers it was not consistent with the uh, uh, naming uh, that that we used to have in the in the past he told me just openly hey mateusz you made you made a mistake please don't do it again because there is a mess on the server so in a turquoise organization there's not a hierarchy, okay? There is not a boss that tells you what to do. There is uh, an area uh, that you take responsibility for, and you are just the leader of the tasks in this area. So I asked myself, if something like that is going to happen, then people should have emotional engagement in this work, right? Because if they don't have specific tasks, that they need to, to do, then how are they going to know what kind of work to perform every day? They will know it if they will take responsibility for that. Okay. When I'm the CEO, you, you were the CEO or you are the CEO of a company, right? So you know how it feels to have the burden of responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When you are responsible for something, you know, you know how it feels when you don't finish a task, for example, you know what are going to be the consequences uh, when at the end of the month you, you are not going to have the money to pay the payroll. And the same is in, in the turquoise organization. When somebody takes responsibility for his area of work, uh, he also takes the burden of responsibility and everything that goes with that. It is quite easy to uh, go to work, start at eight, finish the tasks that you have, one, two, three, four, five, and get back home and just forget about it. But it's, it's very different from being a CEO and thinking about what are the consequences of every, every decision. What we are trying to do in our company is to delegate the respons responsibility to the, the, the people in our company, to software developers, to uh, the people that take care of selling, uh, our services, even to the person that takes care of the administration part of our work. Okay, it's not that I, I tell her, Zuzia, this is Zuzia today. It's not that I tell her every day. You know, today we need to, you need to do this, 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 this. Please finish by 3 p.m. and give me a report. No, we share some vision of what we want to achieve in one week, two weeks, one month, two months. We cr try to create some processes that will be effective in this work. I can share you uh, an idea of how we are going to sell our products and services uh, in, in a moment. But okay. we try to share the vision, the processes, and they need to take responsibility for that to do it in, a, in an efficient way, the best way that they can do. And it cannot be implemented when you don't trust the person. 
if you don't trust the person, then you will think all the time, is she doing what she's going to do? Okay, is she really responsible for that? You are going to control her. And when you control a person, that person feels that. It, she feels that you, you don't trust her. And in the end, well, she probably will not like this work and, and she will try to quit it and, and find another place. Interesting. It's, it, I, I think this topic is actually a very um, difficult thing to discuss just in, you know, uh, five, ten minutes uh, on a podcast session. I would probably, you know, highly recommend to anyone who's listening to um, dig into that specific concept a bit more on their own. Or if they're Polish speaking, uh, I think you've got your own blog on on which you um, publish some articles about this specific um, idea. So so we can share that in the in the in the blog post later on. I think it's called uh, Turkusowy Startup. Exactly. Okay, yes. So so people who speak Polish they can go there. Um, very interesting. Very interesting, Mateusz. I I really I really uh, admire your dedication here. And I will share something from my experience, which is probably very in line with what you do. I think that in our uh, business here, uh, together with uh, my wife, I think if something goes wrong, it's basically my fault. And it's it's my fault because, uh, let's say, I have um, uh, designed the process in that way. I have helped to do certain things in, in my way, let's say, and maybe didn't consider that someone else has a better idea. So I take full responsibility for like almost everything, okay? And it's obviously very difficult for an employee to have this level of responsibility for what they do. But if this is what you're trying to share as your values with the company, with your employees, with your uh, you know coworkers, then they will start doing the same thing I think uh, in their own area of interest in their own area of uh, work as I told you previously we had a crisis and a financial crisis we are a startup so as you know in the beginning it it's not so easy to have uh, the money every month to, to pay the people and um, at one point we got some public money to finish the project uh, it was some seed money mm-hmm. not to finish everything in our project, but uh, just part of it. Uh, but it was quite, for a startup, quite a big amount of money. Uh, it was going to last for one year. And I, in my business plan, I expected to get uh, part of this money every three months. So that's what I wrote in my Excel file, my Excel sheet. And at the end, it turned out that they didn't pay us for two years. Okay, interesting. <laughs> so the project lasted for one year, and even a year after finishing the project, we did, still didn't have the money from them. So for these two years, we had to find money from different sources. It was really stressful. I can imagine. Really stressful. It was a, a really difficult situation for a startup, and it, it could finish with a failure, okay? We didn't expect that. And I do think that part of uh, the success... By success, I mean that we got through that. Part of the success uh, is is our organizational structure. We shared all the time. I shared all the Excel files. I Every week, I shared the information, what is happening in the project, why they don't pay us, what are my ideas to find different sources of the money, 
And the people in the company, I, I think that's what, what I felt. They took some, some burden of responsibility from me. Okay, it was so when you share your problems with the other people and you feel that they try to help you, it is easier to go through that. Uh, they knew it is, it is a difficult situation in our company. They knew that it will be difficult to find money for the, uh, for the salaries next month. Uh, so every person in the company tried and engaged in selling our services. I once heard that uh, Tesla had similar problems and uh, they also engaged engineers to call, <laughs> uh, to, to call okay. and try to sell the cars. I think it's what happened in our company. Software developers tried to, to find some services on the internet, some, some, some companies looking for software developers, etc. It was really difficult, but in the end, I think it really connected us. Brilliant. I believe it, it made us stronger. Brilliant. Very interesting. And I, I really think that when you experience things together with people, it doesn't matter at you know what level, it then changes the relationship. It, it makes it stronger. The same things applies to companies, I think. If you do things together in a team, then it makes uh, the bond exactly. Uh, exactly. stronger and stronger. So, exactly. well, congratulations on, uh, on uh, going through that uh, stage. I think it's something worth sharing and spreading the word that if you're consistent and if you're passionate and if you have trustful team, then you know you can make through difficult times. When you have such an uh, such an organization, it's really difficult to fire people. So when we met in Warsaw last week, you told me uh, that you 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 believe it is good to uh, hire slow and fire fast, right? Well, yes, hire slow. It's just because. It takes time to go through the whole um, hiring process and fire quick it's because you are responsible for that specific person so he or she is not a correct match for that specific role it is your duty to make sure that they can find another job somewhere else where they will fit better that's the thesis i'm following i generally agree with that idea so when i try to hire a new person it's not just one talk. Uh, I try to meet with that person a few times and uh, every time ask different questions. I'm also looking for people that really want to work with us because of the values that we have in the company. It is very difficult today to find good software developers because of the salaries as well. Uh, the, the expectations are very high. I'm very open to pay high salaries, but what I also expect from the people that join our organization, our company, is that they will like, they will want to create something bigger, something that they believe in. Okay, And if they believe in what we do, then it is easier to join us. But it also happened that we had to fire someone in the past. Today, I believe it was my failure. I do like what you said, that you take responsibility of everything that happens in the company. So when something goes wrong, it is your responsibility as a CEO. I try to take or look at the things in a similar way. Uh, so in the past, at one point, I, I tried to hire someone that would help us in marketing. I didn't have any exact idea of how it's going to happen, of what are the tasks that he's going to do. That was the problem, right? I wanted to hire someone 
and I expected that he will change how we are perceived or he will change a number of, uh, not offers, but uh, the jobs that we get from the market. But I didn't have any specific idea of how we are going to achieve that. And uh, I also remember that you said in Warsaw that it is very bad to uh, hire someone and expect someone from that person without having a clear vision of how to achieve that. Okay. And that was the, the mistake that I made in the past. I hired a person and I expected that person to change something in our organization. But that person didn't have enough knowledge or experience to do that. I expected that uh, just because he would share some values that we have, okay. eventually we will achieve that. It's not true. <laughs> I mean, you cannot create a successful organization just by trusting yourself. Of course, you... In the end, you need to develop some processes or create a strategy that uh, will take you there. I think, to be honest with you, that uh, there are two ways. First way is you know where you're trying to get and you roughly figure out you know, the way through some problems to that specific point. Or the other way is we're not sure where we're going and, okay, here you go, you've got a blank canvas and then let's try to figure out where we're going. So <laughs> you were probably somewhere in the middle and yeah. maybe it was just a mismatch of ideas and mismatch of creativity and goals. Yes. It happens. Yes, I think the, the creativity and the goals, that's what you said in the end, that's what uh, what happened here. There was a mismatch in this in this area. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, just sharing the values is not everything. Uh, of course, I still do believe that it is important to invite the people that share the same values to the bus and then think about the direction that we are heading. I still believe this is a good approach, but the people that you hire need to have certain abilities, skills for performing this specific task. Uh, for example, I, uh, I recently um, hired uh, Jan, you met him at, in Warsaw. In the beginning, we had a few rough ideas of what he's going to do. Uh, we met three or four times, I think, be before I decided to, to hire Jan. And in the beginning, we didn't know exactly what would be his area of responsibility. It was because in a startup, there are so many things to do, uh, so many tasks that need to be finished. Mm. And uh, I didn't know what, what were his skills and his abilities. Uh, so after a month, I suggested Jan to perform different tasks from marketing to selling to uh, even installing some plugins or our website, some, some, technical, some technical things. I, I gave him some creative things like creating presentations or thinking about new products that we could uh, offer our clients. And in the end, uh, after a month, we already knew what he's good at and what brings him joy. Okay, Because I, I also think that people should do what they like, what, what they are good at. And we selected just two or three tasks Okay, out of this box of tens of different tasks, we selected just two or three tasks uh, that, that he's responsible today. Of course, I, I could just say, well, uh, Jan, I don't like what you do in, in this marketing stuff. 
I think we should uh, say goodbye. Sure. But I knew that because of his experience in the previous companies and because uh, of the way we communicate with each other, there's a, a kind of connection. <laughs> and uh, because we share similar values, I do believe that uh, there, is, there is something that we can create uh, together. It, we just need to find the, the tasks that will fit sure, him. Sure. It is a bit of a different version of what I believe in, uh, which is when you fire a person, it's not because you don't like them, you don't like their job, or they've done something wrong and you're just yes. you know angry with them. It's your responsibility to make sure that they find a place where they can flourish. Yes, exactly. So what you've done is you've changed the role where now Jan, he can do what he's better at and where he's more focused on tasks yes. that drive him. Yes, so exactly. it's a bit, Okay, very interesting. Very interesting example. Thanks. Okay, uh, let's move on. Let's move on. We could talk about the turquoise color for hours probably, I think. I would like to know what's your opinion on startups um, and the problem that startups have, which is what should come first, whether it's product and clients or financing, because obviously some products take time to develop, okay? They need uh, a lot of cash to be able to even go through the MVP stage. So so what's your view on that? Money is very important in a company. So as I already told you, uh, there was a period in our company when we didn't have enough money. So I know how it feels not having enough money to pay for the salaries. It is really difficult. It is very, very stressful. It kills your creativity. It kills your uh, enthusiasm. It kills your uh, belief that you can do that. At the same time, I think that people forget about other things in a startup that are even more important when deciding if the startup is going to achieve success or not. I founded three companies so far. And I had an opportunity to look at other companies founded by my friends. And in every company, the biggest problem was the communication between founders and different views, different opinions on running the company. I tried also um, compare it to this. Money is like blood in the organism. But the vision and the, the product, the idea is the soul. You cannot live with just the soul. Of course, the blood is important to, to perform daily tasks. But an organism with just blood is a machine. Sure. People will feel that there's something missing in the company. So I try to combine these two. In my opinion, it's really important to write down uh, the, the, every source of income in a company. To make my company more stable, my startup more stable, I decided to do two things at the same time, to offer software services and uh, develop the startup. Because when we earn some money from the software services, it gives us the blood to, uh, to focus on the startup later. Mm. But uh, at the same time, we don't forget about the startup and the vision that we have there. Sure. So we don't try to restrict ourselves to the money that we have today. We try to find new sources of the money. We also use, it's, uh, it's a mystery, we also use public money. We have collected uh, over 2 million lotus from Polish National Center for Research and Development. 
We also got some seed funding, also f public funding uh, in the past. Perfect. But it may be surprising to you, but we also got an investor all, over a year ago. Uh, he offered us one million lotus, and we rejected that offer. Uh, it was in the middle of the crisis, of the financial crisis in our company. So the talks with the investors lasted for three or four months, I think. He wanted to become an investor in our product. It was a competition in, in Warsaw as, as well. Okay. Uh, and every member of the jury voted for us at that time. So all we had to do is to say yes. <laughs> for three or four months, we were thinking about this, this suggestion. And in the end, we decided to reject that offer. Why? <laughs> um, well, at well yeah, exactly. Tell me why. Because <laughs> it's quite an interesting uh, answer I'm, I'm looking for now. So, uh, first of all, we, uh, we think that it was too early for us. I, I think that finding an investor should happen when you have a clear vision of your business model. And when you know how you are going to sell your product, when you introduce an investor to your company at such an early stage, uh, in my opinion, it is very risky. Because first of all, it um, puts another burden of uh, responsibility on your, on your back. I mean, you've got other people that expect revenues from you. Okay? So you need to work even faster. You need to achieve uh, the next steps faster and faster and faster and just bring the results. This might be really stressful. That was the fear that I had at that time. We didn't have a clear vision of how we are going to earn money. And I knew that saying no might lead to closing the company. Okay. Really. Uh, we didn't have money at that time. It was really funny because we, we got a check in Warsaw. There was one. It was a big check. It's on our website. You can see that. There was one million zlotys written on that. And we had 1,000 zlotys on our account. Okay. And uh, we were getting back to Poznan from Warsaw by train. We were trying to hide the check <laughs> so that people would not see that. Okay. It was really embarrassing to... <laughs> to enter the train with uh, with millions lotus in your pocket <laughs> but at the same time we had no almost no money on our account in our bank account and we knew that saying no would lead to maybe closing the company but uh, at the same time we applied for the fundings from uh, national center for research and development uh, but the results didn't come okay uh, there was a delay and the results. So uh, at the time when we rejected the offer, we still didn't know if we would get the money from different source. Sure, sure. So uh, we uh, had a lot of debts from our family members. Uh, I'm so grateful to every person that gave us the money at that time. They knew, uh, they knew that we are going to reject the offer. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm again thankful that they. They also helped us at that time. Brilliant. Thankfully, after two months, the results came and we got the funding. Brilliant. Uh, so, uh, so we got twice that money without an investor. So we were really lucky. Well, you know, I say that you really have to help your luck. And I think, you know, just by working hard and trying different things, you, you really helped your luck. 
a lot and you know you need to be good at what you do in order to get appreciation with a, a big check from a research uh, organization let's say so congratulations on that one last thing uh, Mateusz before we finish uh, I would like you to tell me as a CEO what did you learn recently and maybe uh, something practical? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I told you uh, a few sentences ago that maybe I will share some knowledge about our sure. concept of selling several services and our products. So uh, when I hired Jan, I still didn't know uh, uh, how to, well, because Jan joined our organization, our company, because we wanted to sell more effectively our products and services, because so far sure. we sell just by referrals. This is quite uh, amazing for me, but we had no okay. direct sales so far. Everything that we did so far was by referrals. So I wanted to invite a person in our company that would uh, uh, make some direct sales, but we didn't know how to do that. We had no experience in direct sales. Should we use LinkedIn or maybe some cold calling, maybe some cold mailing, or maybe we should attend conferences uh, and how to make it effective. We didn't know that. And well, by accident, I found a book. I, again, don't know what is the English translation. In Polish, it is called uh, Machina Sprzedażowa, so a selling machine. It is written by a guy that tries to transform the way you sell products and services. So uh, Adam Smith, in the 18th century, he found out that uh, when you produce something and you divide that process into uh, smaller pieces and uh, give every person in the company responsibility for just that piece, then the, the whole process, the, the production process, uh, its efficiency increases by hundreds or even thousands times, right? So the, the, the car factories like Volkswagen, there is a production line with hundreds or thousands of people sure. and every person uh, has just one task to do uh, and that's why uh, a caddy for example can uh, exit a line a production line every two sure. minutes this is amazing right every two minutes you've got a new car coming from a factory um, so adam smith found out uh, in the 18th century that it increases the production but nobody so far nobody did this for the, the selling process. Hmm. And in this book, the author suggests that you can also divide the selling process into smaller pieces and give smaller responsibility for different persons in the, in the company. So today, uh, Jan is a business development manager. He works mainly outside the office and his only job is to meet with people. After, after a meeting, which could last for half an hour, one hour, or even two hours. He calls Zuzia, a business coordinator manager, uh, and Jan tells Zuzia how it was. Okay, what was what was the result of the meeting? Uh, what is the email address of the person who attended the meeting? And what are the conclusions? Zuzia then enters the CRM, our system. She enters the, the data uh, from, from the meeting, I, I mean the conclusions. And what are the next steps? And she also prepares the sure. email for for that client with with the conclusions. So it is not Jan's responsibility to to do that. Jan's responsibility is to move to another meeting, okay? okay? And the next meeting is scheduled by Zuzia. 
So Zuja is a person that works in the office, finds companies and people online or over the phone, and she is responsible for scheduling the meetings for Jan. So Jan, you know, he doesn't need to think a lot about where he's going to do, what he's going to present. Everything is prepared by Zuja. The, the job of Jan is just to go to a meeting, meet with the person, and then send the results back. Why do we do that? Because in such a way, Jan okay. is able to have three or four meetings every day. And if he would be responsible for everything, for scheduling the meetings, for creating the emails after the meeting, for finding the persons to meet, he would have like two meetings one week. And in this way, his work is much, much more efficient. So how Zuzia finds, you know, the prospect clients? How, how she works with that? So because we have a startup, we attend a lot of conferences and fairs, just like the one in Warsaw where we met. And at, at the conference, just like you met us, we approach people and ask for business cards and talk to each other and share, uh, share uh, what, we, what we have. We try to help them. So after a conference, we have lots of business cards. From, from Madrid, we had like 50 or 60 business cards uh, that are sent to Zuzia and she tries to find these people on LinkedIn. She tries to, to find their website and read more about what they do, what are their needs. She tries to, to sometimes read the posts uh, of that people somewhere on, on the blog. So the fairs and conferences is, is the first source. We also try uh, to use LinkedIn, like, you know, cold, cold mailing, but not to, to random people. We try to find specific organizations and specific people in that organization that have decisiveness sure. in, in the area that we would like to cooperate in. Uh, so LinkedIn is the second source. And referrals, we are in different networks, let's say, here at PPNT and, and different organizations. Uh, Recently, we joined uh, the Polish-Israeli Chamber of Commerce. So, so okay. in such networks, there are also lots of connections coming to us. Brilliant. Mateusz, thank you very much. It was a very, very, very interesting interview, I would say. I will need to think about a couple of things uh, you've mentioned here, not only for the purpose of the podcast and trying finding new guests, maybe, with that specific topics, but also when it comes to, uh, you know, my work, very interesting. I really appreciate uh, your time. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for uh, your time. And yeah, I hope to see you soon and congratulations. Thank you for the invitations. I had much more notes on my mobile phone, but <laughs> uh, one hour is not enough to... to I see. Uh, talk about I everything. see. So, so we may need, you know, we may need a catch-up uh, recording in half a year or something. We'll see <laughs> yeah. how it goes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you again. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. So, how did you like it? I know it was a bit of a long discussion today we had with Mateusz, and, you know, we just could carry on for hours probably, especially on the, let's say, high-level topics uh, like organization management and uh, this whole turquoise organization concept. Uh, I'm really curious about it, actually. I will probably read a bit more about it. But in the end of the day... It is all about providing value to your clients. So as a team, as a startup, as a technology company, we need to make sure that the client and the end users are going to be satisfied with our work. So 
Um, thank you very much for listening. I really hope it was a valuable episode for you. Please make sure that you leave a comment and uh, share this episode with your colleagues at work. I would really, really appreciate that. Thank you very much and I'll see you next time.